0: Welcome to Slayer Fest ninety eight. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by
1: Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach.
2: Yay! Yay! Yay. I love that you both have like two first names. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, I
3: never really uh,
1: I never really that. thought about Zach as a first name. But I I guess it's absolutely it a sure person.
3: is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that you're already teaching us new things about ourselves. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think we'll all learn new things about ourselves by the by in the next forty five minutes to an hour, you know? Oh yeah. I hope so.
0: Um, I always joke when we have um one of our guests that we have on Anthony Lavera, him and Matthew always go back and forth with like super like educated theories on Buffy and I'm always like twirling my hair like what or like quickly trying to google (laughs) what they're talking about
1: (laughs) usually on my and Laura's podcast I'll say something in very layman's terms and then Laura will have like a very intellectual uh, comment about everything that (laughs) I had just said but she says it so much better so I just take out what I said before and just leave hers in (laughs) (laughs) you're the Britney?
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) It's not, it's not bad to be a Brittany.
0: <laughs> Before we start the episode, Brittany, would you like to start us off with giving us your Buffy origin and then can give us yours? Sure. Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool.
1: So I saw Buffy while it was airing originally. So I was in like fourth or fifth grade and my sister and I, we were sitting on our living room floor and we turned it on and I'm pretty sure it was uh, the witch episode in season one. Um, and then I just stuck with it. I constantly rewatched it over and over again. I have an older sister. So I I feel like that is kind of like the way that you get into this world is that you have like an older sibling who, who gets really obsessed with it. And so then you get really obsessed with it. But yeah, she like had every single season on VHS that she recorded. And so that's how I continually rewatch them over and over again
0: and Lara, what's your origin?
1: So
3: I I feel like I've had three waves of being introduced and reintroduced to the show, I'm wow, definitely. Okay. Oh, you think I'm lying? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's just such an
0: interesting like I didn't realize that waves. you were
3: allowed to interrupt one another. Oh, sorry. Origins. Yeah, yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I really like Brittany. That was so shitty. Like, mm, that's yeah. interesting.
3: <laughs> it was, well, no, she's being shitty cuz she knows that I'm like very much still learning the show despite these three waves of introduction. Uh, three so, waves, again. <laughs> so wave number one while it was airing <laughs> crashed over me. Um, I was in high school. I had a, a, my best friend at the time was named Megan Murphy and she was really passionate about Buffy. I watched, I saw the movie first and then was poised to be into the show and I don't remember the exact first episode but it was definitely early in season one like I feel like it may have been that um the witch episode with like the cheerleader the mom who wow same
1: episode then oh is that oh. the same one yeah
3: oh yeah I just see I just don't know that all the titles um and then <laughs> when I was in I college... think I said the witch episode <laughs> 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 we can- I was, I was deep in my own head. This is, this is how you get the intellectual responses, because I'm not listening to you. I'm just <laughs> getting ready to to give my monologue. Sure. Um, no, but then in college, I went to sort of a weird, tiny, um, great books focused school, like where we reread the classics in this like tiny college in Santa Fe called St. John's College. And there was a whole cohort of professors there who were really passionate about the academic interpretation of Buffy. So my French teacher at the time like loaned me the first season and I started rewatching then. And then more recently I've been rewatching from the beginning in anticipation of um this angel podcast that Brittany and I will be doing.
1: Wow, that was three waves.
3: It huh. sure was. Huh. Yeah. I delivered
0: It <laughs> <laughs> really showed yeah. you Brittany. <laughs> yeah. She, she really did. Was, Damn it. That was a real burn. <laughs> Um, I love that your college was, like, very into it. Matthew, I don't know if I have even told you this before. When I was an undergrad at Rutgers, my professor, she was queer. And she was, like, very, like, especially for the time, like, very radical feminist. And I loved her. And she would always, like, refer to herself as, like, oh, I'm a butch dyke, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, a lot of the straight people would be, like, (gasps) every time she said it. (laughs) Um, And so, like, I forget how I brought it up. But, like, in passing, I mentioned to her if she had ever watched Buffy. And I remember her being like, oh, I hear there's dykes on that show. I think I probably like it, don't I? And I was like, I really think you would. And I then did a presentation about, like, queer culture in, like, mass media. And I brought the VHS clip I had of Tara Willow kissing from the body and, like, showed it as, like, a really good representation of, like, a queer couple. And she told me that it made her cry and that I got her into Buffy. (laughs) oh and i was like so happy that i got and she's like she was like very much like older gay um and she was like oh yeah i know the
3: type yeah
0: and she was great and she was like especially at a new jersey state school was like a really awesome radical professor to have um because there weren't a lot of those (laughs) there was a lot of like stuffy old straight men were most of my professors (laughs) um yeah but yeah that was like my my big achievement undergrad getting a Uh, queer professor into Buffy um but anyway today we're here to discuss new moon rising Huge, yes. episode
3: of, which is fitting because this past Saturday was uh, the new moon in Pisces. Not sure if any of you are astrology buffs, but this is timely. <laughs>
2: um, I, I well, didn't know that. Since we're talking about astrology, let's also talk about how it's Aries season and it's my season, and I am very going to be very strong for the next month.
0: I only know yeah. that because you, I only know that because you tweeted it today, Matthew. <laughs> I tweeted about Aries today, it's a very Dead. I thought you were
2: going
3: to say I only knew that because you're just em- emulating strength and confidence <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for the sound waves. <laughs> Matthew, would you like to start us off?
2: Sure. I mean, so this episode starts with Willow and Tara talking about getting a pet, Miss Kitty Fantastico. Yay.
0: So wait, That's so sweet. where do we all think, because Matthew, we've been over this before, but I go back and forth. I'm interested to see what our guests have to say. Do y'all think Tara and Willow have actually had sex, or they've just done their like spells that make them, that are like having sex?
1: Yeah, I, I think th- they've only had allegorical sex at this point. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. e- energetic
0: sex for sure. Yeah.
2: Because yeah, it's it's bi- I don't think they've had biblical sex. No, B- yeah. <laughs> they do
0: not know each other.
2: They've just had Wiccan sex.
0: <laughs> I this beginning feels very much like their couple, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: but guess... it feels. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, just, I mean, cat talk doesn't necessarily, I mean, maybe it's just that I prefer dogs, but that doesn't really, like, y- you mean, like, more
0: domestic, like, beyond sex couple. Yeah, like, they feel like, yeah. they, they feel like an established couple they're in this beginning. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
2: I think it's the first time, too, that we see them, like, they're holding hands at one point, and they're very, like, they don't announce it or anything, but at one point, they just slip into holding hands.
0: I don't even think I noticed that. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) We definitely definitely noticed that, apparently. But it's also, I think it's also what the cat represents, which is that she wants to make sure that Willow isn't allergic because she wants her to be around and feel comfortable. So even though they end up getting, well, spoiler, even though they end up getting (laughs) Miss Fantastico, I think it's more about, like, what it represents in terms of... Commitment. Yeah, and commitment, and how much she wants her to be there, and what she would be willing to sacrifice if if Willow was allergic, which would be Miss Kitty Fantastico.
2: I mean, I, is-
0: just wanna, I just
2: want to I just want to say that as a former college RA, I do not condone having pets in the dorm. <laughs> like I think that was just really disrespectful. <laughs> and, and also, they're they're not like they're not really clear on like whether Tara has a roommate or if she's like a freshman with her own single room. Oh know.
1: yeah, she has a large ass room
0: too. Yeah. Her room and is, her
2: like she took she it looks like she painted the walls to be chalkboards
0: like in her yeah. dorm. Yeah. She definitely has like the cool dorm that you want to hang out at. Um I do think her <laughs> saying yeah. the like, Are you allergic is just like so precious. I'm just like, ugh It is. It's I'll, so sweet and pure. And I'm allergic to cats, so like that's all I want. Someone would <laughs> be like, Oh, are you allergic, Ian? And I'd be like, I am, so we can't. Let's get a pug instead. <laughs> I was
1: dating a girl who had a cat and I was allergic and she wouldn't like vacuum it or anything. I would just quietly die every single night Mm -hmm. if I didn't bring Benadryl. Uh, I think one of our only one of our like major dates was just going to seven eleven and getting me Benadryl a couple (laughs) nights a week.
3: (laughs) Also, I feel like the fact that it, it is a cat they're talking about really like shows its era like i feel like now it would if it was made now it would be like two lesbians talking about a french bulldog or something like (laughs) like, they'd definitely be talking about a frenchie like i think cats are very 90s lesbian yeah
0: oh it's totally it totally is that was gonna be a question i asked i was just about to ask because i was gonna say do we think the cat thing was like supposed to be like stereotypical lesbian or like but I, I also like have you to say, it,
2: right? I think cats. I think cats are more mystical than dogs. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say it's more stereotypical a witch. witch. Thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. That there's a, a like a, an occult aspect to cats that dogs don't have.
1: Right. Yeah. If you're gonna be witch and
3: lesbian, you may as well lean in. Yeah. Like, and just go
2: for <laughs> go the cat. full. Go
3: yeah. for the
0: black cat. Yeah. <laughs> in the Year two thousand, you gotta really lean into the stereotypes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, And then, so right after they're talking, really, there's just a minor scene where the gang is talking about how there's been no um, big activity lately, Um, but Riley is saying that the initiative is full of demons, and then Oz walks in. And Tara
1: knows exactly who he is, too.
2: Yeah. She does. She's Tara is just very perceptive.
0: She is. She is my sweet angel. (laughs) She is. I... Also, I wanted to point out, right before that, Giles is yelling at Anya, and it's kind of weird. Oh, I,
2: yeah. I, it's so funny that, like, they don't... It's funny because, like, you know, I know you love Anya, Ian, but I also yeah. know you in real life, and I think that you would hate Anya in real life because <laughs> she's so, like... <laughs> like, I think Anya's a great character, but I also know that if you knew her in real life, you would just complain about her all the time <laughs> and how she's so rude. So it's funny that, like, there's a moment where Giles is actually calling her out and then like it's just it's interesting from a writing perspective like Anya finally getting called out for being rude and then like it's just like oh we're gonna gloss over that and go to Oz
3: (laughs) totally (laughs) you all might have to catch me up on the Anya thing because I'm not quite in this season in my rewatch
2: oh no
1: you don't know who Anya is
3: no. you should see the fucking judgment in britney's eyes right now <laughs> she held eye contact with me and said that so aggressively
0: i think i just gave you the same look but you just couldn't <laughs> see it <laughs> all,
2: all you need to know Another is that anya I... is a okay, anya is a is a millennia old ex-demon who she was a revenge demon who uh basically got revenge like women would summon her to like get revenge on their ex-boyfriends she's a vengeance demon so she her all her powers are taken away from her and now she's learning what it means to be a human while fucking xander
1: (laughs) got it okay (laughs) two very opposite things yeah the
3: reason i asked is like taken out of context of of understanding all that like just jumping in with this episode this deep into the show i was like why is this woman written so strangely for like a Joss Whedon show? Oh, that's so
1: interesting. Yeah, I was
3: like, why is she written? I felt like she was written more like you would see a, like a a woman written by someone who has no idea how women
1: speak. Yeah. Yeah. Or
3: like, who just like (laughs) hates women.
1: Yeah. so
3: Yeah. I was
0: confused. That's such an interesting way to like, I'm telling you fresh eyes can
3: be helpful. Okay. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Calm down with your judgment.
0: We've had a few, um, We've had a few guests that like you think Anya's like problematic in the way she's like perceived kind of and the way she's like talked to. And I mean there's been a couple times especially in season 4 where Xander definitely reprimands her as though she's like his child.
3: Well that's uh, what ha- that happened in this episode where he's like this would be a good time to not talk.
0: Right and it's like sure. ugh, that's yeah. that's not how you talk to your <laughs> significant other like
2: ugh. Yeah it's interesting. I do think Anya would be written differently now. Totally. Like, like, even if she had the same kind of journey of learning about humanity, I think that she would be, that, she, that would manifest itself differently now.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I. it's funny, Matthew, because most of my comments about this episode, there are a lot of things that I feel like would be completely different now. That are very, like, of the time, handling queer characters. Or like, ahead
3: of their time, even. Yeah, right,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like, Whoa. but they would be like very different in, you know, even like in 20, like 15 or 2010, like. Mm-hmm.
2: Something that would not need to be changed for a modern audience is in the next scene is uh, Buffy's beanie hat, which is <laughs> I just want to write a sonnet about this hat. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. And her like leather jacket plus a crocheted knit beanie
1: yeah some of her accessories throughout the like later seasons just get super odd or like the mid seasons when the mid seasons are, like...
2: are the real or where all the risks are yeah <laughs> like one and two are just like okay they're in high school like no one is that like out there with their fashion in high school and then when she's out of college but before six and seven where she just dresses like in taylor loft like yeah. she just has like a lot of experiments
1: totally it's, it's bold it's brave so but I... the whole
2: point of this the whole point of the scene with buffy and riley um is to kind of talk about like this is where i think buffy is starting to want to come out to riley about having dated a vampire so she's using oz and willow as like the canary in the coal mine to talk about dating um demons if you will and they get into, like, a little squabble about it. I, and I thought and it was actually she, really well and done. She,
1: and she gets an insight into how he's going to even think of her. Because the language that he uses is, like, I didn't think that she was that kind of girl. I thought she'd be smarter than that. And so it obviously would make Buffy close up and be like, well, I don't want to share this part about myself with you. Because I know exactly how you're going to
0: react. Yeah, I, so it brings up the question, which we did discuss before, Matthew. Like, what the fuck did she tell him when Faith came to town? Like they very like off screen have that conversation, and she tells Willow, oh, yeah. "Oh, I skipped over a few parts, but like she didn't even tell him that Angel was a vampire. Like that seems like weird. How do you skip over that? Like oh she, what? Like I don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm really curious as to what she actually told him when Faith was there, because this all feels like he knew absolutely nothing. Um, Yeah, I don't know and." <sighs> I don't know, the conversation feels really heavy-handed, especially when she flat-out says, I didn't know you were such a bigot. Like, it feels very, like... uh, And I... Yeah, the
1: allegory's laid on pretty thick.
0: Yeah, (laughs) for preparing you for the (laughs) Yeah, this will come back later, everyone. Um, Which I do always say, and I don't know if you ladies will agree with me, I think Angel did that better. Like, Angel did a little bit of the, like, blurred line between like demons and evil demons better yeah totally i'm sorry i interrupted you matthew
2: no no no. i was just gonna say like and i i wrote this down for another scene but oddly enough like this episode and i'll bring it up a couple more times as we go through the episode but like when everyone thinks of this episode, they obviously think of the Tara Willow storyline, but actually like Riley has a lot to do this episode. And it's like his own little journey with how he feels about like demons and the, and the issues therein. And, you know, even coming off of like, there was that previous episode, goodbye Iowa, where he like, didn't realize that Buffy was in so deep in demon culture and stuff like that. So it's, It's, like, weird that he's still kind of stuck on, like, all demons are bad. But I do like that, um, I think the relationship between Buffy and Riley is so different because it's the only one where the show actually depicts, like, the work of being in a relationship. Like, there was never any work Mm -hmm. with Angel. They were just in love. And, like, her and Spike never really got together. But, like... This is the one where they actually show like sometimes you have to you have like different views and you have to work through it, and it's like interesting to see. Just I don't know, it's not super interesting, but that's maybe that's why um, people don't like Riley as much is that it's really bogged down in like the minutia of how you make a relationship work when you're like totally different.
1: Whoa, I yeah, that's so interesting to hear, and it probably does make sense why I dislike Riley so much, (laughs) and and why I so much romantic romanticized Buffy and Angel is because it's not a real relationship. It's just like the fantasy and like the idea of a relationship. And then the spike represents the, like the, the sexual tryst, but Riley was actually the only one who, yeah, that. Makes total sense. Ugh, I have to reevaluate how I feel about Riley.
2: Well, this whole uh, conversation, is, I mean, especially like the bigot part, I mean, I don't want to go into like Trump supporter territory with Riley, but it does sound like people on like two different ends of like the political spectrum before like Republicans were super crazy. Like if you were like, oh, we have to date, but we have different ideas about like economic issues or, or social issues or something. It actually like goes into that. How do you like deal with that in a relationship?
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean see this is now y'all are going to make me defend Riley. I I, <laughs> I I do think by the especially by the end of the episode I think that the one place where I defend him is that he does try. Like I think he genuinely wants to do better for Buffy. I don't think he ever quite gets there, but I think the like desire to want to do better for her is there like by the end of the episode he's like you know he's he breaks Oz out of his own accord and doesn't even discuss it with Buffy when she gets the, like i think that he tries he wants to know more like he'll always be stubborn at first but then eventually he almost always comes around to like see, or tries to come around to seeing her point um which i mean is like you know what what sorry now what
2: <laughs> i'm just going to say it i think that people hate Riley, because, like, in the real world, people want aloof guys and assholes, and Riley's actually the nice guy who's trying to do work, and people, like, <laughs> shit on nice guys all the time.
1: But I also think it just didn't exist for Buffy. Like, I think in some, some, some relationships that you're in, the other person will be kind to you, and it'll be there at first, but, like, after a while, it's just not <clears> the work that you want to put in and that you're maybe not as compatible as he thought you were, but... And so I so to go back to kind of like how I feel about Riley, it's I think because we see so much of Buffy's point of view, obviously, uh, and we see how much she has on her plate, like the last thing that you'd want to do is try and like work at this relationship where this person needs so much from you because you're like, fuck, like she needs to save the world. She doesn't have time for this shit. And so, by the time we see Riley in those episodes, we're like, "Oh, we can't, we can't, we can't." We, me and Buffy, can't deal with your problems. Like,
2: (laughs) Buffy and I are just having an issue.
1: We have so much bigger shit to do. But I think that in some relationships, like the saving the world is in place of something else, and that you could try to want to give as much as the other person does, but sometimes it just like doesn't pan out. And I think that, and I think they depicted that very well.
0: I think you did a good job of, like, kind of summing the whole thing, all of, like, them up. Yeah. <laughs> like Is this sometime... a
1: spoiler-free podcast or what? Oh, no, no,
0: no, no. We <laughs>
1: Okay, good. Because <laughs> I was like, I just uh, spoiled a lot. Well, not really, but
0: sort of. <laughs> no, not at I... we all.
1: Know, we all know her and Riley aren't going to last, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay,
0: <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> We all know worth, the show doesn't worth end with her marrying him. Right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: um uh, well let's go on to the speaking of like work and relationships let's move on to uh the next scene with oz and willow where oz kind of shows willow that he isn't a wolf anymore yeah
0: okay so i have a big issue with that i feel isn't like <laughs> <laughs> um i will say i do have in my notes that because i'm like such a shithead i was t- i as matthew knows i was totally into like bassist in a band oz but, like, zen, pretentious white dude Oz does not do it for me at all. Oh, like, yeah. Ugh. So
1: like, Mandarin collar with prayer beads Oz. Yeah. And arms. Oh, my <laughs> God.
0: Honestly,
2: in this scene, especially because it takes place on a California college campus, I feel like he is one step away from getting dreads. Like, a white <laughs> boy with dreads. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I rolled my eyes so hard. I wrote this quote down. He says, a woman in Tibet traded me it for the Ro- Radiohead record. Got a lot of mileage out of the barter system. And like, oh, uh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> the
1: worst. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the study abroad kind of conversation.
0: Yeah, like, oh, we get it. You traveled once. Yeah. Well, and
2: that's the thing is that like, um... I mean, this, is, this moment is kind of like where the show always falters is like its cultural competency and that like they're kind of like, of course he went to Tibet and like <laughs> some monks meditated the wolf out of him because people <laughs> of color are magical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so the, I actually didn't want to make the comment about Oz's outfit, but I of course had to. But no, I wanted to point out, it really bothers me that that's their solution to him being a werewolf that it's kind of like the incredible hulk um that feels like totally contradictory to everything we learned about that the show's rules about werewolves taught us prior to this right and it almost feels like i i don't know it would if it, it feels like a little bit of a cop out um I know, it feels that... a little
3: bit like, like victim blamey about like mental health issues too. It feels a little bit like you just aren't wanting it enough or like you aren't doing enough self care to like heal yourself or whatever it is. Like if he was just able to do, to do it that way.
1: And like just... got into
0: yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good Oh name. my
2: God. Seth, Seth. I mean, I mean, not Seth. Um, Oz, he might be like, I don't know. He might be like one of those anti-medicine people who's like you don't need medicine, you just need Christian yoga. scientists.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, I don't know if it'd be Christian scientist if he's doing yoga
2: though. <laughs> or is it like anti-vaxer? I don't know. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> um, wow,
2: we're really tearing into Oz right. Now.
0: I know. And but <laughs> I also I also want to point out I think this is some of the best chemistry Oz and Willow have.
2: Oh my god, I wrote that down too. This is one of the first scenes where they actually feel like really intimate, like Right? And because, I mean, so uh, Brittany and Laura, one of the things that we've talked about before is that, like, sometimes in the older episodes, it always just felt like Willow and Oz were, like, good friends, and they didn't have a ton of chemistry. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the first times where they were, like, sitting on the bed talking all night, where it actually felt like they had, like, an intimate moment together. Yeah,
1: well, they both feel so much more adult. I mean, especially Willow, whereas it, it does feel like even though it's only been a season it feels like they have so much history and there's so much built up there and they just seem so much more mature and not like children
0: right and it's weird it's only been like it's been like a portion of a season but it really does feel like they're way more adult and mature um yeah i i really i was wondering what you would think too matthew because i know that we both have agreed they didn't really have the best chemistry in the past but, like it really- but then, like, Oz
2: coming out of nowhere and expecting Willow to, like, have sex with him. He's like, total bullshit, <laughs> yeah. And I, I'd be the same thing. I'd be like, how about we just have waffles? Like, I don't really need it. I don't know. I'm like, just like, uh, can you not come into town in your van and just, like, automatically try to lay the D down? Like, that's rude.
1: But I feel like if Tara wasn't in the picture and she hadn't start started to explore her sexuality i feel like it's something that she probably would have been into and i and and i think they do do a a pretty good job of of showing that conflict certainly that like this is kind of the fantasy of when your ex leaves you high and dry and then they come back and they're like i was only gone all that time because i was making myself better for you i went to tibet you know what I mean? That's your fantasy? Yeah, huh? <laughs> no, well, my, my exes that, that just, like, got back together with their ex-boyfriends. Right. Um, so this is a much and, better... And, like, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, listen, I... It's like you read my future notes, because I put, like, I felt like they did a really good job of selling me on two people that loved each other, were nostalgic for the past, but, like, clearly couldn't be together right now. And really? I've, I've had two exes I love but I'm not in love with, but we love each other in a like friendshipy family kind of way. And like, that really is what it is. And that's what I, they sold me on this. I have to say they completely Seth Green, Alison Hannigan sold me on that type of relationship in this episode.
3: Well, Um, that's what it is for Willow, right? I feel like for Oz, it was more loaded or maybe eventually it will be like when they have the sort of like, you'll always be there at the end type Type speech that felt more resonant to what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, something we have pointed out is that, like, they don't find the balance with Tara's character yet. Matthew has said that, you know, in Hush, they like up her mousiness to like a 10, and they slowly start (laughs) lowering it. But I feel like in this episode, they do a little backtracking, Matthew. And I was wondering what you thought.
2: Oh, my God. When she can't say the word Scoobies. Right. And I'm, like, when they're, like, really having... And, I, and I mean, I think also a part of it is that, like, Oz makes her nervous.
0: Yeah.
2: I, so I feel like there's more of a... I mean, maybe in a way she regresses with her comfortability because Oz makes her nervous, whereas, like, the group doesn't make her as nervous anymore.
0: Right.
2: Um. So maybe that's, like, an acting choice on Amber Benson's part. But, like, I do love the part where she comes by and, like, Oz is doesn't realize that like I don't know I feel like that happens so many times in life like how many times have you met someone that is like your I don't know like your ex's current lover or like or and you don't know it I think it's just a really interesting like fly on the wall moment for the viewer to see like how two people who share intimacy with the same person react to seeing each other
1: I usually just smell it on them
2: <laughs> like oh, Oz.
0: <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um Yeah, and I, I do think that scene as well, but like I think the stuttering is a little bit too much, and I'm not sure on I, I couldn't tell you what end, if it's like the acting choice, the writing, the whatever, but if it, it felt a little bit much. Oh, totally. I, but I think Oz because of the character we knew from the, you know, past three and a half seasons. Present day, if Oz was who he is right now, he would have picked, at least immediately picked up that, oh, there's something going on here. Tara probably has feelings for Willow, right? Without having to be like, oh, I smell it on you. Right. You should be able to
2: smell people's pheromones.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I also think it's, like, pretty accurate that most men, especially an ex-boyfriend of someone who's just coming out as queer... Would never, would always default to so, that yeah. person having a heterosexual yeah. partner. And it, it like doesn't even register. Like when he says, oh yeah, he said, when Xander says there's no new guy. It's like it couldn't even register to him that there could be a woman because it doesn't even for, sorry to skip ahead once more, oh, no. but it doesn't even register for Buffy really because they just see it as like this close friendship between their best friend and some chick that like they hardly know, but is around all the time. And so I think they did a really good job of, of, uh, of showing that for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And
3: you you guys had mentioned earlier that like, even though on its face, it's supposed to be like, or we think it's a Tara Willow coming out episode, but it actually is about Riley. I also think it's actually an episode about, a straight dude dealing with his ex girlfriend coming out. Yeah, <laughs> like that's more so what the story feels. Yeah, about. Like, sends him into a fucking relapse. Like turns him into a monster. Like, yeah.
0: So then we get before Tara comes to Oz's door, uh, Willow's door, and sees Oz. We get the initiative being attacked by. Uh, is it? I don't even know. Is it ever actually solved? What attacks them? No. No. It's just. So.
2: It's just said that it's like a demon
0: yeah like we see the Graham sees the demon ripping out one of their throats or whatever so then we after tara and will tara and oz see each other at the door we get riley and buffy's conversation in his bedroom where buffy's i i just felt like oh like what kind of demon was it and riley's like does it matter and it's like yes riley it does matter we already covered this in Goodbye, Iowa, where you almost shot the little old lady at the bar, and you didn't know if she was a demon or not, and you and Buffy argued. Like, we already covered this dude, and yeah. it's just, I'm like, come on.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's, like, topical more than anything, and yeah. I think that, like, people, you know, when they're in, in an argument, say things that they don't mean, and I feel like Riley is, like, carrying that over from the conversation they were having, Right. like... And it's interesting because not, not only is this episode about Riley's own feelings about demons, it's also about his relationship to authority. And I feel like his saying, does it matter, isn't only about the demon, but that like it doesn't matter what demon it is because it's my job to go fight it. Because like, I am a soldier and my brain is programmed that way.
1: Right, like it goes beyond his own personal beliefs. It's his professional beliefs as well that he has to kind of abide by.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and also Buffy wakes up in a business shirt. I just wanted to say that.
2: I know. Shoot. it is the mo- And also, like... Riley's door is not locked and Forrest just loves walking in on he him does. and Buffy and being like, what the fuck are you doing with my man? Laura, you get that Forrest is in love with Riley, right?
3: Um, I, I, I just got it. <laughs> Crystal clear.
0: Um, so then we get the Willow and Buffy scene, like Buffy gets comes in their dorm. And I don't know, but I I really love this scene. I think you know, I think it's I, I've said this before, but it's insane that Sarah Michelle Geller and Alison Hannigan weren't like the bestest of best friends because they have such good friend chemistry. Yeah. Um and as someone who came out and had almost exclusively straight friends growing up in the suburbs of New Jersey i like can relate to having a straight friend who's like your best friend and then like you know maybe not being a hundred percent right away i mean she takes like a beat um but i think everyone's acting is all like fucking a plus in this scene um Mm -hmm. and you know smg doing the like no will no and then like willow being like oh but you're freaked aren't you and her being like no 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 absolutely not and she sits on the bed i just think I don't know. It makes me cry every time I get like choked up. I'm like, Oh, my babies. I love all of you. I want everyone to be happy.
1: (laughs) And it's just cool to see how, how who they knew of each other when they were in high school and who they're growing into. It's like, they have to, they're learning to accept each other for who they're becoming. And especially seeing that with like xander for instance as the seasons go on it's like they they all find a way to love and accept whoever they turn into which is very cool
0: yeah i mean that's probably honestly you probably just said the exact reason why i love the show so much because like you know friendship is magic and it does a good job of showing that and like i just love seeing all these people being like friends and they genuinely all love each other and like even if they piss each other off they still love each other um yeah I don't know
2: if I... I if I were Willow and Buffy did not accept me for being gay I'd be like how fucking dare you judge me in your, <laughs> in your olive leather pants
3: oh my god I was so distracted by that I was like that is the rudest thing she could have done like worn I wasn't sure if they were leather or pleather. two willows coming out to her it's like stop like, trying to
2: compete with
3: are, it. let her have I- it
2: I'd be like, you fucking wore olive leather pants to my coming out. How <laughs> yeah, dare you? Yeah. That's homophobic.
3: That's- that is. Uh, that is a hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> um. I also really liked how fluidly, like how they didn't have to use any labels at all. Oh, yeah, like, totally. Willow could just talk about how it was complicated with her ex-boyfriend because of her current girlfriend essentially and not have it be like are you buffy, gay are checking, you listening? yeah so does this mean this you know yeah. in terms of what she's supposed to call it it felt like on a very human level in that way
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah
2: well yeah. you know what's interesting is that you bring up is that it is so human and authentic and just like emotional because later the show gets so stuck up on the word lesbian as opposed to bisexual you know mm-hmm. Like, later, the show really wants you to be like, Willow's a lesbian, Willow's a lesbian, and it really is into that label, but it's really interesting in the beginning that it's just purely about, like, I am falling in love with this person.
1: Yeah, it was much more nuanced... It's much more nuanced in the beginning than I think where it turns later. That's for sure. That's right on.
0: Yeah, I... I don't know. I just... I... I really do think the writing in this is, like, really strong, and, yeah, I love... I love the idea that she's just like, well, it's like, things are different now because of Tara. Clearly there's the annoying way of people being like, oh, I just don't like labels. Like when a celebrity says it in an interview to avoid using any words, like that would bother me. Um, But like this feels like real and this feels like the way like a queer person might say it. Mm -hmm. Especially
3: when it's their first experience, like the way they would think about themselves. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're all in agreement. (laughs)
3: Um, That moment was so sweet where Buffy was like, She's a really great girl. And Willow was like, Yeah, she is. Like that moment where I just felt like that was so resonant. That moment where you finally shared the thing and get to like click into the mode of like, Now can I be excited in this way? I want to be excited about it with you, you know?
0: mm -hmm. And like, it's also like, and I feel like we all feel this way as queer people. Like, right, it's also nice to see our hero dealing with someone coming out. Yeah. I, I feel like very seldomly, even when we do get any queer characters, we don't quite get to see that specific moment from our hero. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to, like, see the moment that Buffy fight Like, there's no. Like, Xander, it's off screen, and Xander, I really don't care as much. Um, yeah, but like, we get to see the exact moment that Buffy's like, oh, she's dating Tara. Mm-hmm. And like, we're going to talk about this. And it's nice to see like our, our hero do that. I don't know.
1: Totally. No, I totally hear what you're saying.
0: And then like, also love our hero for being like, no, absolutely. I'm not weird. And sitting down and discussing it with them, you know, like it doesn't try to. I mean, because, like, clearly it's 2000, they could have gone a weird route, but they don't try to, like, sympathize with someone being weird about gay people, they don't try to, like, I don't know, I just, yeah, The scene really does it for me, and boy, does it make me tear up, as does, like, a lot of this episode, so... Yeah, totally. <laughs> then we get Spike and Adam, because we need to progress the Season 4 plot, um, and I don't know, I was wondering how all of you would feel, I... I do think one of the shows for me, and this is what I put in my notes, I just don't love how much between Pangs in season four and Fool for Love, Spike goes from asking the Scoobies for help slash helping them fight to actively plotting to like against them slash murder them. It feels like quite unbalanced, but I can't tell if that's on purpose because he doesn't have a soul and it's supposed to be unbalanced. I don't know. What'd you want? Right.
1: He's really inconsistent in terms of like they kind of just like give him a little nugget of a plot for why he would ha- why he would be motivated to do something and then that's why he does it and then and it it, it I I totally hear what you're saying just in terms of it, all of his actions are so, so something that I do is I just like repeat myself and rephrase what I was just saying and I'm going to do that now
0: <laughs> I do that all the time on the podcast don't worry <laughs> So start my
1: comment here, which is that (laughs) he's motivated so easily by little things and then he'll go into that motivation until he's given a new motivation to do something. And for a lot of season four, it feels like it's all the motivation to get something that he needs the Scoobies for that he's going to like fuck them over with, but then they don't trust him at this point. So it's just like He has such weird, inconsistent motivations. Yeah, I don't know how to say it better. He just—it's just like always odd, and you can't really see the, for lack of better words, like human parts of him. Because at this point, you don't really even know what he wants, like on a deeper level. Because it just feels so surface all the time for what he's trying to get.
0: Yeah, right. Like, okay, I'm glad. I'm glad you agree with me.
2: (laughs) Well, I think it's the the question is, I think like. What is Spike's motivation? Like, does he have a higher motivation? Or is it really like this, is he in this, like, survival mode where he'll go to whoever can help him survive at the moment, you know? And sometimes when we're in that survival mode, like, our our actions don't look like they have a clear pattern. And so his pattern is more, sca- like, scattershot because it's just like, I'm only going to go to the Scoobies when I need something in order to live and I need to know about my chip and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that he really does harbor this hate for them. And I think that, like, from a writerly standpoint, I know, obviously, like, when you're creating a TV show, it's all the writers in a room talking about, like, what does this character want? Like, what are we going to do with them? And I am I would, like, love to be privy to that information for season four because I don't think that, like, Spike gets a way forward until, like, season five when he finds out that he's in love with Buffy and that, like, becomes his motivation. Totally. Because right now he's just in survival mode.
1: And it, he's very much motivated by love and so when he doesn't have some, like, I feel like Harmony doesn't really register, but when he's with Drusilla or when he's going after Buffy, that's when he has the most motivation and when he doesn't have either of those it feels like he's a little uh, yeah, scattered and unfocused on what he actually wants or what he needs.
2: One of the things I do like about um Adam's presence in here is that I think you know it, he is introduced a lot later than other villains, and there's not a lot given to him. and And we've talked about how the season is not a lot about the larger arc. But you know, in the beginning, they talk about how like the cells of the initiative are full, and we know now, having already watched season four, that that's part of Adam's plan. And then him going to, you know, uh, recruit Spike. Um, it it even though it's it's underwritten, there is this kind of feeling like. Adam is playing chess with, with the Scooby group. Um, because we also know, like, the whole Yoko Ono thing, the Yoko Factor episode, the next episode, is all mind games. And I think it's interesting that, like, uh, Adam knows to go to Spike because he knows that group so well.
0: Right. Then we get Willow and Tara's discussion about being confused. This makes me tear up. Tara's, oh. Tara has the, like, wish It all feels like a lot for me. It gives me a lot of feelings. Um, Yeah. And then we get, you know, when she's, like, stuck on the word happy. Even though that's a lot, I'm just like, oh, my babies, like... Well, I
2: I think one of the things I like about that scene the most is that, like, it's a very different mood from what we were talking about before with Oz. Because I think that when Oz comes in... He is almost like, I mean, he is the one who suggests sex with Willow. And it kind of feels like he's trying to, like, make things go the way he wants them to go. And Tara's totally, like, do what makes you happy. And I think that, like, people respond to being given options. And, like, I think, like, Tara literally, regardless of whether Willow is lesbian or bisexual or whoever, like, I feel like tara feels like a more attractive option because she's actually kind of like setting willow free and that like oz feels like he trapping. wants to, he, like yeah like he wants to do things the way he wants to do them and Tara's just like do what makes you happy yeah
3: <laughs> same oh my god i feel like i need to call the woman i'm dating
0: right now <laughs>
3: i need to change my approach
0: <laughs> i try to be that person but i i'm i'm not I I would. It's hard. It's hard to be that person, right? <laughs> I'd be like, no, date me. I'm better. <laughs> I went to Tibet. <laughs> Didn't you hear me? I traded this blanket for a Radiohead album. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um. So then, after that scene, Oz then smells Willow on Terra. I I like wrote in my notes like a pro and con. Because we have, in the past, gotten, like, when Oz and Cordelia go searching and end up walking in on Willow and Xander Kissing, Oz is like, oh, I can smell them. It's, you know, we're going this way. And it's just him and Cordelia, and she's like, oh, this is really weird. So they have, like, mentioned it before, but, right, right it's still, like, it's like, you know, it still reads as weird, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, I, I'm like, I see that, like, Maybe from, like, in that world of fantasy, even in his human form, he still has werewolf-smelling senses. So sure, but it still feels weird for him to say that. I don't know. For him to say oh, what?
1: yeah, it's super invasive. Yeah. But, like, I smell you on her.
0: Yeah, that he, like, grabs her and is like, I smell her on I you. I smell her on you, yeah. Well, I think,
2: you know, it's... <laughs> I mean, it also reminds me of just, like, almost, like, some of the... It, it like it reminds me of typical like hip- hypocritical hippie culture like you say that you went to Tibet and you're all calm but you're really like seething with rage underneath
1: yeah he gets so weirdly aggressive in a way that we've never really seen him before it actually kind of reminded me of the episode I only have eyes for you where it's like always this one aggressive person and and they're like in a hallway so I was like <laughs> this feels like that scene but it it's it's really sad that the the part for me that was that was sad about this scene particularly is that his that Oz's legacy in the Buffyverse kind of is going to go out with him being like really weirdly aggressive to someone that he hardly knows. But then obviously, eventually, his his final scene is redeeming. But it was a weird, re- really aggressive thing that I did not like and did not expect. Yeah, and I, I out of character.
0: I put that in my notes, like, it's 100% fucking unfair of him to be so aggressive, and also he doesn't even know her, and, like, it feels like, also, it'd be like, hey, maybe you talk to Willow about that, and also, don't yeah. like, freak the fuck out, like, you don't even know Tara. Um,
2: also, you what? broke it's, up, you left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's not even, like, I blame Oz, like, I'm thinking about it, like, I don't know, I think like they need to put Tara in danger for the stakes of the episode, but it just feels like Oz was always so even keeled and like sensible. And then he goes to go meditate for like six months
1: and and then now is when,
2: and then now is when he's a rage monster. It just doesn't add up, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's a weird character choice from a writer standpoint.
0: Again, maybe that's the point that maybe he's coming back and he wants it to be the same, but nothing is the same, because he took a big dump on his relationship with Willow, and then, like, and I put in, like, Spongebob meme, changed, and he can't pretend <laughs> everything is still the same, like, right? Like, I guess, like, that's how I was trying to look at it from a writer's point of view. Like, maybe that's what they're trying to say? Like, look at him pretend, but he's not doing a good job of pretending it's the same, and literally everything has changed, at least in relation to the two of them, since he left. I mean, not that that makes it okay that he's so aggressive and like shitty i could see maybe that's where they're trying to come from with writing it that way because it is so you're right it is so out of character the oz previous podcast episodes ian had a crush on wouldn't have done this but (laughs) like for this oz who you know is the douche who went to tibet like okay maybe maybe that would. i don't know i don't know
2: i think also in seven episodes of being on the show Tara has been chased through the school by a demon thrice
0: I also put that in my notes Matthew (laughs) Tara's barely a scooby but like every episode where she's not in her dorm room with Willow she's getting chased like
2: Willow must really really throw it down because she's really willing (laughs) to like rip
0: away (laughs) Olivia's the only smart person
2: I'd be like, we've barely touched fingertips and I've already been threatened. My, my life has been threatened three times. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but Matthew,
0: I feel like that'd be like, I would be like, yeah, Matthew, when I was chased by three demons, but I'm so in love with him. And you'd be like, Ian, you were chased by demons because of him. And I'd be like, yeah, but... <laughs> like, I'd be that one. <laughs> but he touches my
1: fingers so good. You don't see the way he looks
0: into my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, also, I wanted to point out that I really wish Tara could have done, like, a badass spell on him. Um, Like, I get she was, like, you know, in panic mode and she was running. um, And I don't know how spells actually work, so I wouldn't know what would go into, like, actually doing it. But, you know, I think of, like, later season's Willow, and Tara was presented as, like, more advanced at first. I would have liked if she could have done, like, a cool deflection spell rather than throwing a chair. But also... The initiative, they're like, I mean, they're really foolish, but it seems extra foolish for them to just bag Oz and not even... This woman they don't know, who they just saved, they're just like, it's fine, and they keep going. Like, why aren't they even asking her what happened, right?
2: Well, that's, I think, um, just a military thing. Like, they're not into the nuance. They're just there to capture the the thing and, like, you know... Uh, it's a
3: version of what you are talking about earlier with Riley saying... It doesn't matter what you know doesn't matter what right. type of They're demon. not really
2: down for the human interaction It's the part culture
3: that, that he comes from,
2: yeah. Right? Which mm-hmm. makes sense which actually I think that's why so before I was talking about how this episode is kind of secretly about Riley's own journey and then I think that the moment where Oz transforms in front of Riley it's really interesting because I think it's really smart of the show to use the Oz comeback for like a, a Riley subplot and so like seeing the monster turn into Oz in front of his face and how that kind of starts a character change in Riley is really is is actually really interesting.
1: Oh yeah, completely.
2: And then that also ignites the moment where Riley and Forrest kind of officially break up because Well.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> and it's it's really like this sad this sad lovers quarrel story because I think Forrest was in love with Riley because Riley was like the perfect soldier and he was like the rising star and then riley and then forrest sees riley leave him for buffy and then riley becomes like his star goes way down like in the initiative and then forrest's star is rising so it's really a thrilling love story
0: (laughs) i do feel like riley and forrest have broken up like in the last five episodes though um, I think
2: this is finally it, though.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think he dies, like, either the next time we see him or the time after that. Um, but
2: then he comes back as a demon. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, also, yeah, I mean, also, it feels, and I know that we just said because the initiative is, like, military and they take the nuance out, um, it feels like even extreme even with the Riley that we just got, who was like, oh, who cares what kind of demon for him to just like pull out his gun to execute this demon. Like, right. Doesn't that feel extreme? I felt to like execute which demon when he like pulls out his gun to like shoot Oz and then Oz turns into himself. Like, I feel like that felt even extreme for the Riley that we knew previous to this was just like ready to shoot someone in the head.
2: Oh yes. It's a little extreme,
0: right? extreme (laughs) like i know that's extreme by like normal standards but like even for like military orders centered riley that feels like everyone relax like everyone but uh, as i
2: said before i think that riley is the paragon of like yeah straight white male whose world is crumbling around him and he reacts violently because of toxic toxic masculinity
0: (laughs) yeah that's fair yeah Um, then we get oz naked which i was into that was a high point in the episode as well <laughs> which also felt a little scandalous for this show especially in season four right
2: he had been naked before
0: but not like we see like all of him like he's wearing like a
2: well his dick's not
0: flopping well, i was gonna out. say he's wearing like a flesh-toned <laughs> it's
2: th- it was wb <laughs>
0: We get, like, <laughs> side butt.
2: This isn't Skinamax Crawford.
0: <laughs> uh, one can only hope. Like, almost immediately after that, it's, like, weird. It's, like, looking Oz in the eyes somehow changes Riley, right? Like, he, like, somehow is, like, like, if this were a cartoon, it would have had, like, a Family Guy flashback to, like, oh, remember that thing Buffy said? Like, oh, shit, she was right. Because it feels like immediately he's, like, wait, we have to protect him. I don't know. how did How did we all feel about that Riley transition? I felt
1: like he probably, I felt like he wouldn't have been able to get there unless it was seeing someone that he had known go through that transformation. And so I I felt like it was totally necessary. I feel like that was maybe the only way that he would have been able to see it if it was someone that he isn't threatened by in in any Mm -hmm. sense. And seeing them, knowing that this person is harmless in, in most of their form I I think it was necessary for him to see um, and I don't think he could have gotten there any other way really
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah I feel like you're right if it were like a man that Riley saw as like competition quote unquote or whatever maybe that wouldn't have worked but because it's like I feel like Seth Green is small and you know he pertained to Willow so Riley's not like yeah I feel like you're probably right So, um, then we get them all in disguises going to storm the initiative, which why do they even bother with the disguises? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like Spike has his bleach blonde, slick black hair as if they all wouldn't recognize him and Buffy. But I mean, this is the second time they've like snuck into the initiative. Um, I have to say, I really love Buffy's really obscure William Burroughs reference (laughs) and I like that they call attention to the fact that it's obscure (laughs) like Xander's like what you're gonna write boring sentences about it um that's like something I really love that the show will do often is be like oh here's this reference oh we're gonna point out that it is like a weird reference um and I like the little bit of self-awareness Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they kind of what? And then they escape the initiative, but also I don't quite get what Adam is doing because Adam's helping them.
2: Well, so here's the, so actually my favorite part of that is that like Adam just has like a straight up Ethernet cable in his head, <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> like l- l- at the cutting edge of techno Like he's completely at like a <laughs> like, you know, a 156 K right now. He's like T one. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I didn't really get like, I think it was, was it beneficial for him to do that to like, well, I mean, I guess he's trying to sow chaos at the initiative too.
0: Yeah. It just feels like there's too many things that he needed to know were going on that he didn't.
2: Well, he knows what they're doing because he like Spike is the one leading them to the initiative, so he knows what's going down.
0: Oh, right. I don't know. I, I just felt like I didn't quite get Adam's motives for wanting to help them break Oz out. Like, he there's no, he doesn't know that Riley had the change of heart. Like, to everyone except for Riley and Forrest, who, like, saw it happen, he didn't have a change of heart. So it feels weird that, like, I, like, I don't quite get where that <coughs> excuse me, where that would, like, Help Adam's plot or whatever. Right. Know.
1: Adam sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he is my yeah, least favorite. Yeah. Big bad. He is a snoozer.
1: Yeah, him and the master are my least favorite. They just, they do nothing for me. But
0: I feel well, you like.
2: Know what? Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say. So for me, the master at least feels like, okay, this is season one. And he at least has like he's at least sassy. I don't know. And
1: Adam... there's like this historical context around who he is and yeah. how old he is, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And Adam is just, I guess, supposed to represent like the Y two K scare or something.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh...
2: Well, I think yeah. I mean, he's he is weak, and it's funny because I love season four, and it's but it's such a like the evil doesn't matter. It's like the The evil is the friends we made along the way.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs)
0: Lovely. (laughs) Um, So then also, and again, I don't love the, like, Incredible Hulk, Oz. When Willow goes to touch him before, when they get him out of his cell, he's like, no, don't touch me in his hand. I hate that
2: moment. I hate that moment. And I hate that he's still angry. Like, you've been naked in a cell. You couldn't think about how you reacted badly for, like, ten minutes.
0: Um, <laughs> reflect a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, fuck, how did well, I get here? We've already here?
3: seen that he went to Tibet in a whole yoga retreat and didn't do enough reflecting, so yeah. I don't <laughs> think being in a cage is going to get him there. That's
0: fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so what's next, Matthew? Um. I mean,
2: and then we just have the the farewell scene, kind of. Well, we have the farewell scene between... Willow and Oz, and then we can, and then we go to Willow and Tara in Tara's dorm room.
1: But also, Buffy has to tell Riley about Angel.
0: Wait, that happens in this episode? Yeah, at the end. Well, she doesn't, but she says hi.
1: Yeah, she has It's implied.
0: Yeah. Oh, right. Well, like, they don't, right. They don't
2: have a scene showing it. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. No, no, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, let's all, let's, let's, let's go to those three conversations you can just (laughs) hit them they're very short i mean one of them is not conversation
1: well i think that i can actually sum up my thoughts about these three conversations in three sentences maybe oh great three um is that i think that it was a cool way to show how in relationships you can handle conflict. And so I think Riley trying to understand Buffy's point of view showed how much he's willing to, uh, how much he's willing to want to help solve the conflict that they have in their relationship. Whereas with Willow and Oz, the fact that her presence as being anything but perfect and not being able to make up, not being able to make him upset otherwise he will literally change into a monster shows just how much their relationship is probably impossible (laughs) like until he can if there's even a way for him to perhaps you know not turn every time he gets upset because it's directly related to anything that Whitlow does. It just shows that like they can't get through conflict at all. Whereas with the, the conversation with Tara, this is more than three sentences. I apologize. Um, whereas (laughs) with Tara, it just showed how willing she is to give her partner the space that she needs to work through what she needs to. And it was just a really cool way to show like three kind of different vignettes of how these couples uh, deal with conflicts.
0: Yeah. I, that's really a lot smarter than my notes. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, that's a really good point. I didn't even think I'm just like, Oh, I liked this part. Oh, I didn't like this. This made me cry. (laughs) (laughs)
3: i do wonder though like what would have happened i feel like yes you're right but also tara didn't have to wait that long like it you know she 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 said all the right things but then did get what she wanted fairly quickly like we didn't actually see her like i feel like willow was pretty encouraging or, or was always like even in the moment of the do what makes you happy like it still felt like she was. She knew she was in the running. Like she didn't have the full all is lost moment regarding Willow. She
1: just knew that there was this competitor. She was no. She like fully thought that Willow was going to go back to Oz. Did you see her staring out her window? Yeah, I honestly, think she did.
3: her face always looks the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. I, she just looks gross
1: the whole time.
3: To me. Um, but, but I mean, it's still within. I don't know. I just feel like
1: it also is with someone who isn't out to her friends. She certainly like endured a lot thus far, even if it's not heavy handed at all.
0: She really has, right? I think so. Um,
1: yeah. So... And you're kind of dealing with the fact that all of all of your girlfriend's friends are probably going to be wanting her to get back together with Oz because. They all like him probably more than Tara, and because being in a straight relationship is more palatable to them. It's like she has to take all that on and just kind of try to be okay with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... And, like, you know, they have... They went to high school with this guy, so, like... Right. I feel like you're totally right. Like, I hadn't even thought about it. Like, she has to take on so much in just being, oh, we're the, I'm the new one like quote unquote I made your friend queer. Right, yeah. If Willow's ex were a woman that she had, that would be awkward in general just because all the friends have this past with her, but on top of like, oh, yeah, I feel like I hadn't even thought about it that way, but and I mean, I I adore Tara. I think she's just the sweetest. Um she just breaks my heart. Um and of course, I I feel like Tara and Anya And Cordelia, actually, are characters that I love so much that whenever they have these really cute moments, it, like, breaks my heart even more, because I'm like, no! Like, I know their you know, fate. (sighs) (laughs) But also, I do... So this episode is almost like character assassination for Oz, which is weird to bring him back for an episode and do this, but I do really love their final scene together. Totally. I... I feel like, like you said, Matthew, like, didn't he fucking reflect while he was in the cell? I feel like at this (laughs) point he is like, I I did the thing wrong. Like, I feel like he's recognizing it and he's removing himself, which is like basically all he could do at that point. There's no other solution. Yeah, I know. Um, like, if he hung around, I would assume it would probably happen again. He would run into them, you know, and turn into a werewolf in the cafeteria or some shit. You know, when Willow says, I'll always be waiting, but she doesn't mean it in a romantic way. She just means, like, oh, to see you again. Um, and I feel like that feels really real. And it feels like that end does, not the entire episode to me, but that end scene feels like a really good Closing the chapter on them. It feels like a very mm-hmm. good end to their relationship. In a surprisingly non weeden way of someone being murdered or dying. Which is like nice to get on this show because usually if someone exits their... You know, it's a tragic death or something terribly miserable. And while this is sad, it's not miserable. It's a nice note to end on. And it's really nice that also then we get like her and, her and Tara... In which she says the candle is extra flamey and I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time. Favorite outfit. Ooh. Mm. I liked
3: the. Um, uh, I mean, I, I guess saying I like it wouldn't be correct, but like, I had the strongest re- response in my body.
0: Sometimes that's as good the... as it gets on the show. With the yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: to the whatever the like long duster situation willow was wearing in the very opening scene when they're talking about cats like it was just very like okay i, I don't don't even know i'm really not good at describing clothes it's a thing about me but <laughs> yeah that 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 was uh definitely something i took note of and then but i think like my actual favorite would be the the rude homophobic leather pants <laughs> <laughs>
0: When you said it was I, what caught your attention the most, I thought you were gonna say the homophobic leather
3: pants. <laughs> well, yeah, that I mean, it did in a totally different way, though. I think I was I was a little bit upset that that's how they were representing lesbians in the opening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think my fave was uh, Oz's like pilot jacket because I owned a similar one from Hollister when I was
0: in high school. <laughs> so what? I was like, yeah. This is my outfit. That is a good jacket. Uh, Matthew?
2: Oh, the homophobic olive leather pants or the beanie. How
0: are the, <laughs> how are the homophobic leather pants your favorite?
2: <laughs> oh, because they're so homophobic that I stand them. <laughs> Lord!
3: Like, they're the type of homophobic that, like, they're actually gay and gonna come out. And, yeah, like <laughs> Five years <laughs> through a scandal with one of their aides.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, mine would be Willow's jacket. I think it's a pea coat. I'm not even sure if it would be considered a peacoat. Her, like, mm-hmm. long, long-ish coat with, like, the fake fur or whatever. Um, I really like that. Um, Favorite scene? Laura?
3: Um, I would say... I mean, I really liked the. Um, I mean, I liked the end scene. I, I liked any of the Willow and Tara ones were my favorite. Not to be on the nose, <laughs> of my identity,
1: but <laughs> Yeah, my favorite was the final scene as well because it was um, a step in a step towards progress, and Tara was no longer in limbo. I could feel her anxiety. Oh yeah,
0: Matthew.
2: Um, I think the final scene is a little too short to be, like, super emotional, isn't it? But I remember watching it when it first aired and, like, loving it. So I'll still say the final scene, but I would also want to add, like, the scene kind of where Riley, uh like, discovers about Oz and, like, moves to protect him. Mm. All
0: right. Mine would be um, Willow's coming out to Buffy. That's my favorite. Mm. Um... So what do we all think Dawn would be doing if she were in this episode? Being fucking annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Laura's looking at me saying, who's Dawn? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so is that, is that, is that your answer, Laura? Who's Dawn? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get there
0: eventually. <laughs> uh, M- Matthew?
2: um don would be excited to see oz but oh here's the thing okay wait no 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 Oops. let me gather my thoughts
0: tell us daddy
1: <laughs> oh i like this you guys like create the universe oh, create in which, like,
2: scenarios
1: where like don would be here and she's just like a regular part of the world yeah.
0: Hi, wow, I'm, ba- cool. I'm bad at prepping our guests. That's something I should have told our guests before we started the podcast. <laughs> no, that's totally that's
1: so cool. I mean, I still stand by my answer, but if I think of something better,
0: <laughs> I'll, most, I'll change it i We were really excited when we asked Jana Spencer that question to hear like a writer from the show be like, "Yes, this is what would happen <laughs> what did what did wait i'll I'll go back and
1: listen to okay. her episode, but
2: um, it was. So Don ap- after the the morning after like Willow and Tara have sex when Tara is wearing the sex sweater, um, I think maybe like Tara was going to meet up with Don because Tara and Don are friends like in the show, like they're the friendliest pair. Um, so Tara was going to like meet up with Don and like help her with homework. And Don was privy to the werewolf attack and screamed a lot or something. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I thought she would have for either been being babysat by Giles or by Buffy and would have been there in that meeting in the beginning. And she would have been the one that, like, didn't sense any tension and was just like, Oz oh, is back, and, like, super excited about it. And everyone would have been like, Arr. Um And I think that would have been her only scene in the episode. Totally. Okay, so now it's time to grade the episode. We grade... From Matthew doesn't give A pluses, but I do to a to F. Brittany, what do you grade the episode?
1: I think it's a a strong B plus a minus Okay B plus let's say B plus.
0: Okay, Laura.
3: Um, I would give it I would give it an a minus for its time and a B for now.
0: Okay, that's fair. Matthew. I would give it a B plus as well. And I'm also a B plus. Hmm. Well, we're all agreed on this. Um, thank you both for being on the podcast so much. Of course. Thank was you. wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow Matthew, you can follow him at Matthew Rodriguez, 1T, a G, and a Z.
2: And if you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at Carlos. And Brittany and Laura, where can they find you?
1: They can find us, uh, I'm at brick 27 ash I'm at Law underscore Law, <laughs> um, and we have, uh,
3: well, the brand new Twitter account for our Angel podcast, which will be coming soon,
1: is at Angel, Angel on Top oh. Cast. Or just
0: a- Angel on Top? What's the It's ahead? a good question. It's
1: either Angel on Top or at Angel on Top Cast. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll, so tweet, new. we'll tweet it when it comes out. <laughs> it's
1: so new that we don't even know. But then we also have a Daria podcast. And our handle for that is at Sick or sadder. It's called Sicker or
0: Sadder World. Oh, my God. I love that. Um. All right, guys. Well, we'll see everyone next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.